Good morning, Boker Tov and Chodesh Tov, and welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. Parsha Shir is always sponsored by Becky Navi Katz, a family member of David Grossman, Leilin Nushmas, David Ben Menachem Monish, whose yurt site, I believe is today or is this week. Tremendous uh, gratitude to the Grossman uh, family, the Katz family. He was a very special person. I knew him. A big, enormous heart. Very, very generous soul. And uh, we wish Nechama to his beautiful family, to Becky and Avi, and the whole family, and my dear friend Rabbi Seth. Neshama should have an aliyah. This morning, she is also sponsored by Nishmas Elio Ben Moshe, Ernest Khan, beloved father of Susan Rajasthan, on his ninth year at site, the second of Adar. Thank you, Susan, for your generosity and your sponsorship. Greatly, greatly appreciated. And appreciate everybody's flexibility in moving the Parsha Shira to today instead of uh, yesterday. We were on the road. So appreciate it. Just a reminder, our global campaign is going to be starting soon. So keep an eye out for it next week. If you come and if you enjoy or if you're watching and you are listening and you enjoy the content, if your life is enriched in any way by the content that comes from the Boca Raton Synagogue, it's your obligation to do something. $18, $180, $1,800, $18,000, million. We'd welcome it all. But I don't know how you could sleep at night if you benefit, enjoy the content, derive pleasure, and don't contribute to enabling us to be able to do it. So I'm just introducing it. We're not up to it yet. The guilting is, that's just a low-level guilt. That was just the introduction to the guilt. Wait till you see it. Come on, full force. But Mir Hashem, our global campaign, you can give now. BRSonline.org slash global, and you can help us accomplish all that we do. Page 444 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash, Parshish Truma. We now move to the second half of the book of Shmos, the story of the Mishkan and the Kalim, the building of the sanctuary, a place for the Almighty to dwell and to live. And here we have something fascinating. Rasha begins God spoke to Moshe saying, Speak to the children of the Jewish people, let them take for me a portion from every person. We've spoken so many times about this Pasuk. You could listen to the previous year's Shiurim. Why the word Ish? We have countless words for man. Ish, Gever, Adam. Yilid. We have so many words. Why ish? Why specifically the word ish? And why Asher Yidvenu Libo? Why do they have to have a generous heart? And most notably, why is it v'yichu? Why is it taking? It is an act of giving. Right? What I just did, we always time our global campaign and appeal with Parshish Truma. I share every year the beautiful insight. Many give. It's Sadiqim quote. Why is Parshish Truma after Parshish Mishpatim? The end of last week's parsha, Nasa Vinishma, we just had Har Sinai. Because it's easy to be on top of the mountain. Hashem is amazing. Revelation, spirituality, connection. Right? You come off in the Elah, the Kumzitz, the Fabrengen, the Tish. You're on fire. It's incredible. Everything's amazing. Munashir, the Parshashir, the Chesed, amazing. Someone's oh, so amazing. Could you take out your checkbook? Well, it's not so amazing. You don't understand where I give, what I do. I don't really have. So does being on fire translate to giving and generosity? Do you take mishpatim and put it into truma? So, v'yichuli truma. It should be v'yitnu. should be giving, not receiving. So we talk about this every year, every year, try to bring new insight into this opening pasuk, these opening pasukim. Tehillik shev shmaisasa. You didn't see that coming. Shev shmaisasa is incredibly complicated, advanced, difficult, safer of lamdas. Said seven shmaisa, seven Different mamaram teachings, very intricate, very detailed. The Shev Shmaisa asks two questions on this Rashi. Rashi says, V'yichli truma, li lishmi. Why does God say, take from me a gift? What do you mean from me? The Mishkan's for him? God needs anything? It's a big discussion. Does God have needs? Are we anthropomorphizing him? Does he really have needs? V'yichli, take from me. Li, says Rashi, lishmi. You have to do it how? Lishma. Lishma. The gifts of the Mishkan had to be given Lishma. No ulterior motive, no self-interest, no ego. Lishma had to be purely motivated, entirely for Hashem. And Shemaisa wonders, why is the construction of the Mishkan singled out as requiring Lishma? Every mitzvah should be done Lishma, ideally. Ideally, every mitzvah we do, putting on tefillin, lighting the Shabbos candles, 
sitting in the sukkah, hearing the shofar. Every mitzvah we do, tarik mitzvahs every day. One should focus their mind. One should be paying attention. One should be really invested and mindful. So why specifically this one is it an absolute prerequisite? Why is it a necessity? Don't give if you're not going to do it lishma. Every mitzvah should be done lishma. Moreover, we have a principle. The Gemara Psachim tells us elsewhere that when you do something, is it if you're not doing it for the right reason, better not do it at all? Or better to do it? Better to do it. Why? Mitoch shelo lishma, balishma. Because if you do it at first for the wrong reason, but at least do it. When you get started doing it, maybe what motivated, what precipitated to begin with was the wrong reason, you'll come to do it for the right reason. I just returned late last night, our BRS Mavakshim flying. Ahochever went to New York for two and a half days. We went all over the New York area, met with incredible Rashi Yeshiva, Rabbanim community leaders. Amazing trip. I can't wait to share so much of the inspiration, the teachings, the messages. One of the incredibly accomplished Rabbanim we met with, who's written many, many, many Sfarim that you're familiar with, shared with us. I won't say his name because I don't know he shared this story for publication. But he told us, I asked him, what inspired you to write this genre of Sfarim, the books that he puts out, which have enhanced all of our lives enormously. I said, why did you start that? What did you think was missing? What led you to do that? He said he was a young man learning in yeshiva and he wanted to stand out. He wanted to make a name. He wanted to do something different. There was a com- competitiveness in learning. So he wrote the first book and he went to Reb Moshe. And he asked Reb Moshe, Shaila, can I publish this book? So Reb Moshe looked and said, what's the question? I don't understand the question. You wrote a safer. Why wouldn't you want to publish it? What would be the Shaila about publishing it? So he said, because I wrote it for the wrong reasons. Everything's accurate. Everything's true. It's adding something valuable. But I wrote it for my ego. So Moshe said, no problem. Because you know you wrote it for the wrong reason, you can publish it. He's written many, many svarim, and he's a very special person, and very humbly he said, I'm still waiting for the lishma to come. It's still lo lishma. So he said something very interesting. What Moshe was saying to him was, only when you acknowledge it's lo lishma, can you do it lo lishma with the hope it'll come lishma. But if you fool yourself into thinking that it's lishma now, when it's lo lishma, maybe better you shouldn't be doing it. You have to have the self-awareness and the fidelity to the truth to admit that right now it's lo lishma and hopefully it'll become lishma. So we do all kinds of mitzvahs, shelo lishma. Person goes to the daf yomi, person volunteers for the chaver kadisha because they want their children to get a shidduch. I wish I were joking, but you don't know how many people tell me, my kids in shidduchim for the resume, I need to start getting involved in something in the community. Rabbi, where can you plug me in? I say, well, that's, that's a very beautiful thought. It's very powerful. Shalol lishma. Then Amir Tashem, they fall in love with the daf, or they fall in love with the satisfaction of, of being on the chevr and doing taharas. But people all throughout the day are doing things in So why is vichli truma? Li lishmi. The gifts to the Mishkan had to be pure, no ulterior motive. So the Shev Shemaisa asked the two questions. Number one, every mitzvah we try to do lishma, but number two, isn't it better to do lo lishma? Because then it's balishma. So why is it a prerequisite here? Li has to be Lishmi. And the Shmaisa answer is based on an Ashach. The Ashach HaKadosh addresses our Pasuk. Why is Hashem's call, V'yikhuli, take from me donations? It should be, give, give. So the Ashach explains based on the Gemara in Kedush and Dav Zayin. The Gemara in Kedush is a fascinating sugya. For a man and a woman to be married, the man has to give the woman the three ways one can get married, but our universal practice today, Kesef B and Shtar, we do Kesef. We marry, a man is betrothed to a woman through a transaction, through the transfer of something of value. We also today universally don't give money. We do Shava Kesef, something that is equal of value to money. We give a ring based on Tosvos, a ring without a stone. The woman shouldn't be misled. She thinks she's getting a million dollar stone. Little does she know it's what do they call it? Lab-grown? Cubic zirconium? Little did know he got it in the cereal box that morning. So it's going to be a Kedushet Tos. She thinks the guy is giving her a million dollar ring. And the ring came in the box of Fruity Pebbles that morning. So therefore Tos says we don't give a stone. No stones. 
No, don't give a stone, don't engrave anything. A plain, simple band. Could be made of any material, but a plain, simple band. That's our practice. Shavik Yasef, a plain, simple band. Sigmar says, the man has to give a woman, Haram Kudashisli, your betrothed to me, and then he puts the ring on her finger. Puts the ring on her finger. The Gemara gives variations of this scenario where the man is giving something. And what about if the woman does not receive something tangible, but she commits herself to be his wife through some intangible benefit that she gets? So the Gemara has examples of that. Can he provide for her an intangible benefit where she's actually receiving a benefit, intangible, that they can be betrothed through that transaction? The transfer of something, though, be it intangible. And in that context, the Gemara gives a fascinating scenario. What if he's a very of a person? What if he is well-known, prominent, powerful, and the world wants access, the world wants to give him things, and they can't? And she's going to give him a gift, and through the tova sana'a, through the intangible benefit she'll receive by being able to give him something, can she be married to him? Interesting, right? And the Gemara concludes, yes, the fact that she's giving something to someone powerful, prominent, of great esteem, and she is able to post that picture on her Instagram page that she gave a gift to such a person, gives her such a status, that new word, status, update, the word status used to mean something different, gives her... You know, she'll post on her WhatsApp status, which is social media for really from people. She'll post on her WhatsApp status that she gave a gift to such a prominent person. She has a tova sana. Everybody's going to write her back privately. Ooh, wow, you know him. You gave him. I know him. I gave him something. So he says to her, you know what? Taka, you're pretty. You're charismatic. We share a lot of values. I'll tell you what. Let's be married. And what is the gift I'm giving you is the benefit that I received a present from you. And the Gemara says it works. Kedushin Chal. Such a marriage works. So the Ashach, Taich, the Ashach says, so you see, sometimes you could receive something by giving. She receives Kedushin. She receives marriage by giving someone great of esteem, of prominence, something. Says the Ashach, when we give a gift to Hashem, the most exalted, the most distinguished, the most prominent, the most powerful, the source of the entire universe. When we give a gift to Hashem, we are receiving. We're receiving that relationship. And that's why the Pasuk says, V'yichu, not v'yitnu. Don't think you're giving. Sometimes when you give, you're getting something so much more. Someone who has access to the Oval Office. There are all kinds of rules and regulations, how big a gift you can give, what you can give. You go lobby, Congressman, a senator, you leave a gift. You met someone of great prominence, royalty, a king, a queen, you want to give a gift. So what, what are you going to think? You, who got more out of that? Who got more out of that time together? The person, they're so excited, they got your Aishas Chaya plaque engraved, you know, to the king, to the queen, the Aishas Chaya award on behalf of the Boker Raton Synagogue. She got so much out of it. The fact that you got an appointment with the queen to give her for Stunken a gift that's going to sit in some storeroom, you got so much more out of that than what you gave. And that's the message. Don't think of it. Now, Shmaisa takes this alshech and he makes a comment. He says, that whole scenario of the Gemara Kedushin only works, only works, if it's not a matana amenas lahachsir. If she's giving a gift on condition that it be returned, then there's no tovas hanah and there's no marriage, and there's no relationship. Why? Because the woman does not feel important with the distinguished man's acceptance of such a gift, because he didn't really receive it or accept it permanently. It was only temporarily, because it was on condition. So you see, giving stuck is considered a righteous act, even when there's no ulterior motive, but giving to the mishkan is different. With mixed emotions, you might be giving, but it doesn't rise to the level of receiving, of taking. And therefore Rashi says, you're only receiving through this act of giving when it's lishmi. When you're doing it entirely with pure motive, sincerely for Hashem. That's the answer the Shev Shemaisa gives of how it is working. Why does it say v'yichu, not v'yitnu? And why does it have to be li, lishmi? 
Why does it have to be Li? Lishmi. The Degamach and Ephraim has a different approach in such tiny letters. He says the following. I don't know why we have marriage on the mind today. He says, when it comes to a wedding, what's the purpose of the wedding? There are meetings, there are mortgages, there are a lot of time spent to prepare for the wedding. What's the point of the wedding? You all look confused. Is it that bad? What is the goal and point of a wedding? For this young man and this young woman to be married. It's not a concert. It's not a buffet of delicacies. It's not a competition of decor. It's not a sound and light show. It is all of those other things too. But what is the point or the goal? What is the part that will last and be remembered? What is one trying to achieve at that event? Is for this young man and young woman to be married. There are some people who forget the whole point of the night. So they invest all this time, all this energy, all this effort, all this money. Who's the singer? Who's the band? How big is the orchestra? What's the color? What's the decor? What's the background for the bedeckin? Does it match the chuppah? There's an arch before they walk down the aisle. Is there a flower where the place cards are? What are we serving? Is it meat? Is it just the dark meat? Is it also the white meat? What's going to happen at this wedding? Who are the Hassan and Kala? I don't know their names. I have no idea who they are. I forgot to wish Mazel Tov. But I got a concert. I got a meal. I got a sound and light show. I got a social event. I got valet parking. I got a cookie and a cup of coffee to take on the road on the way out. Who are the Hassan and Kala? I don't know their names. I didn't say Mazel Tov. There are people who are confused why they come. I know this is an out-of-town thing. We like to say a little, very short, something under the chuppah. I know it's an out-of-town thing. And apparently, there's discussion even in Kabbalah, should it be interrupted by other thoughts, ideas, fine. But I'll tell you why it's meaningful for me. That can I narrow so far our three weddings, fourth, I guess, if you include my own, but our children and King Yerbu and all of us, why we do it, I go to weddings today and it feels like you could press like find and replace for the chassan and kala under the chuppah. It's everything else surrounding them. You could go sit through a chuppah. You heard the introductory song. You heard the songs when the people, three singers, they were interchanging the harmony, the, the choir, the orchestra, the decor. You were confused and overwhelmed by the flowers. You had an allergic reaction to the, to the entire forest that was put up. And, and you left. You don't know the chassan and kala's name. You didn't really get a look at them. You don't even know why you were there. You don't even know what it was about. Like find and replace. Just put in whatever chassan and ka. The singer, you know his name. The choir, you know their name. The color scheme of the flowers, you know exactly. You sent pictures on every WhatsApp group you belong to of just how outrageous all of it was. Chassan and ka, you don't have a clue. I'm just, this is all to make me feel better. I just have a lot to get off my chest apparently today. I don't know why. I'm sorry you were the victims of it. But thank you for bearing with me. This is from the Dega Machne Ephraim. He says all of this. He's writing all of this between the words. So at least say two minutes the virtue of this chas and this kala. Why you bothered coming to this wedding? Why you left a gift, I hope? Why it matters that you came? A concert, you didn't come for the concert. You didn't come for the meal. You didn't come for the decor. You came to watch a union of two neshamas, two halves becoming a whole. You came to watch this extraordinary transformation under a chuppah of these two people becoming fused of a beginning of a new bias neman of a holy moment in which souls are coming down from Shemaim to be there. We just, we've totally lost focus. On, I'm guilty too. I don't want to pretend. Some of you are probably thinking about it. We're all guilty. We've got to bring it back. Do all the other things, by the way. I love the concert. I love Jewish music. I love the orchestra. I love the food. I love the decor. Keep it all. I have no problem with it. Just don't forget to mention who the Hassan and Kala are. Don't forget to say Mazel Tov on your way out. Don't forget. Ndega Machna Ephraim warns us. We forget. Some come rak lechavalishtos and mashlichan eker v'chein kol hayalma lebehi lule damia. Gemara Eirav and Dafnun Dala tells us the whole world is similar to a wedding. Ve'akom hashabarak kol shabarach ba'olamo who latachlas hamachuvin kedeliyachid chosan v'kala v'ishkama anashim shorot and lechavalishtos v'leilach achra ta'anugim u'mashlichem ha'eker v'alachacham einav barosho 
This whole world is compared to one long wedding. This whole, this whole, some weddings feel like they take up the whole lifetime. Some weddings you need a haircut by the time it's over. But the whole world is similar to a wedding. And some people come to the wedding, this world, and they think the point is to eat and to drink and to be merry. And they forget the chasen and kala. Only it's even worse. Because this whole world and this whole life is compared to a wedding. And guess what? We are the chasen and kala. Who's, who's the chasen and kala? Kachabrichu ushchinte. Kadesh Baruch and us. This, is, this world is our wedding. What do you think? In the yichud room, you just want to fress and eat and you're not going to connect. It's not going to be a loving embrace. You think the wedding is, you know, you're married now. You're supposed to be vulnerable and connected. You say, but did you see the sushi? But did you taste the charcuterie? Did you have from the carving station? Like, hi, we're married now. This point, that's all nice, but the whole point of this was us. But did you see, did you hear the singers? Did you listen, do you remember what this is all about? This world is all about our connecting. We're here to get married to Hashem. And some people forget to stand under the chuppah. They're stuck at the shmorg. Everyone's sitting and waiting for the chassan and kala to walk down. Where's the chassan? He's at the shmorg. Are you kidding me? We're all here for him. It happens to be when everybody turns to go to the chuppah, that's the best time to hit the shmorg. Trust me. That's the best time. Wait it out. Let everybody go early. Don't elbow and fight. It's the best, best time is the bedeckin, but you should really be at the bedeckin. But when they all go in, before they take away the shaving dishes, that's the best time to hit the buffet. If you're a guest. But if you're the chassan, you're the kala, and they're waiting to start the chuppah, where's the kala? She's at the shmork. She heard the sushi. It was outrageous. That's what we're doing in this world. We're here to get married to Hashem. Hashem's like, hi, I'm under the chuppah. Hi, I'm here. Let's go to the yichud room. Let's go for the wedding night. I'm here to spend my life with you. And we're like, yeah, but just the carving station, just one more piece. Just one more piece. It's so good, we forget. That's what the Dagen Machan Ephraim says. That's what the Dagen Machan Ephraim says. Hashem says, for me, the Yichud, take from me a truma. What's a truma? Truma is Lashon Hafrasha. When we separate to give to the Kohen truma, what are we doing? The act of truma is an act of separation. The yikhuli, Hashem says, from me, take from, separate yourself. Do me a favor. Walk away from the shmorg. Walk away from the buffet. Walk away from the sound and light. Walk away from the song. Walk away from the trappings of the here and now in this world. Hashem says, come into the yichud room. Let's lock the door behind us. Come with me. For me, for my sake, for the sake of this marriage, come, come into the yichud room for me. Break away from a vehicle. Truma, truma's lashon afrasha. Be mafresh yourself. Separate yourself a shtickle. Walk away. Pull back. Leave the trappings for a little bit. Spend time with me. So you think you're giving? When you leave the shmorg to go into the yichud room with the kala, you say, look, what I do for you, this gift I'm giving you, I really want to be with my friends, I wanted the chassan's tish to continue and never end, but I let them end it so I can have the chuppah and come into the yichud room with you. What are you giving her something? The yichuli, you're taking something. You're receiving a relationship. You're receiving love, you're receiving enrichment. So the Rebbe says, v'yichuli, yichu, take for the sake of our relationship, truma, show the capacity to be mafresh yourself a little bit. Marva Shemesh says similarly, Hashem says, 
I need you to do something for me. I need you to do something for me. Lishmi. Do it for my sake, for my name. Sincerely, genuinely, do it for me. If you do it, you'll be among those asher yidvenu libo. I'll know you have a generous spirit, a generous heart. I'll know you have a generous soul. I know you really believe. Are you ready to do it? Here's what I need you to do. V'yichuli lishmi. And then you'll be asher yidvenu libo. You know what I need? Truma. Mestapek b'muah. I want you to be satisfied with your lot. I want you to be happy with what you have. I want you to realize that I am providing what you need. And I want you to give your money to the people around you who need as well. If you do that, I'll know you love me, Lishmi, that you're in this relationship for me and with me. But if you're not capable of that, if you can't part with your money, then I don't know if you're really in this relationship. Don't wait, don't leave it. Do it immediately, do it right now. That is the way we demonstrate and show that love, that passion, that commitment, that connection to Hashem. You know, often I meet with someone, I say, can I meet with you? I say, Rabbi, before we meet, I just want to tell you, I love the shul, I love you, I love everything that's happening. It's enriched my life, it's changed my life, it's incredible what's going on. I don't know who I was or what I am without it. It's just magnificent. I say, thank you so much, all that's so kind, all that's amazing. I'd like you to consider being part of our pillar society. Oh, oh, the pillar society? Yeah, it's been a tough year and I don't know and you don't know how much I give everyone else. And the truth is, I know I told you I love everything, but they always run out of seltzer at Chalashidus. So I don't know if I want to support a place that doesn't have seltzer at Chalashidus. I don't know. But didn't you just, what happened? You just told me, yeah. Or you meet the people. How's it going? How are you doing? How am I doing? My business is up 7,000%. The market, I picked exactly. I went long, I went short. Killing it. You should know how many employees. You should know. You don't see me because I'm I'm so busy. I'm crazy busy. My business is flourishing. It's thriving. It's blossoming. It's exploding. You probably read about it. I said, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. Listen, I wanted to talk to you about, we have hungry people. Tom Cheshavis is at an all-time high. Jewish Education Scholarship Fund. People can't afford eggs and mayonnaise. Can can, Can you help me out? Purim's coming up, Pesach, they can't afford it. We put out this incredible pay-what-you-want market. I need people to help make it happen. I'm so happy to hear about your... Oh, did, did I say my business is doing great? I meant I, I want it, I hope it will. You don't understand how many expenses there are associated with how great it's doing now. The competition is fierce. The yichu litruma, the measure of a person. Are you willing to be mafresh with your mammon? Can you separate and you part with your money? Not to the point that you become poor and impoverished yourself, but it's the measure of a person. Is it talk, 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 talk? Or do you put your money where your mouth is? Do you share? Do you give? Do you show up? Are you part of making a difference? Are you part of making a difference? Perech Pasuk Yedal. We're going to get past the opening Pasuk. Perech Pasuk Yedal. Page 446. Aram. The Aram. Make the Aram these measurements. They are all integers. They're all... Fractions, rather, they're not integers, they're all a part of a number, not a whole number. What is the symbolism? We think this Parsha has nothing, we don't have a Mishkan, we don't have Kalim. Why are we spending so much time on this? But I love these Parshios. I love the Klayakar on these Parshios. We've learned them together. You can listen for the past Shirim. The Klayakar goes through all the symbolism and the measurements. Why are they half, not whole? Why are they different parts, not consistent? Why he he medayik, he goes through and plumbs the depths and he sees significance and meaning in the panemius and how it's relatable. All of us are supposed to make a mishkan in our home. We're supposed to have a shulchan and an aron and a mizbeach in our home. So the lessons, the ideas in each of these kalim apply as much, should resonate as much within our home. Tolashani perachafei pasuk yudalad. V'asisa badei atzei shitimitzi pisa osam zahav. Insert the staves and the rings on the side of the ark that you're going to carry it with. So you make them and cover them with gold. All about the, the uh, sorry, do I have the right Pasuk? Where's the Tola Shani? Going back. Perchafei Pasuk Yeralaf. Sorry, go back and pass it. The Aron, we know, 
is covered with pure gold from within and from without. Cover it, make it from a gold crown all around it. We, uh, why don't we just make it gold all throughout? If inside it's gold and the outside is gold, why do we need the wood on the in-between? Because tocho kaboro, we need wood, the flexibility. Again, we've gone through many of these messages before. Sefer Hasidim. First one of the day. Sefer Hasidim. Person who has an incredible silver collection. You have beautiful menorah and beautiful bechers and a beautiful mayimachronim. Family heirlooms are very expensive. What do you buy? A breakfront. A display case. You prominently put on display the wonderful, uh, beautiful objects you have. Similarly, says the Sefer Chassidim, when it comes to your Sfarim and Chavtze Shamayim, you should not be satisfied with that which you bought, you inherited. I'm not saying anything wrong with, you know, Ikea or wherever you bought it from, whatever a person could afford, but we shouldn't over-invest in the decor and under-invest in what we use to prominently display the Chavtze Shamayim. Kabedes Hashem Mehonach, when you think the holiest objects on earth, the tablets that Moshe got, both the broken ones and the whole ones, they should be displayed in the most simple case. It's the holiest, most spiritual object that transcends material and physical. Why are we displaying a dafka in something which is gold? Whatever your stender, whatever your, your bookcase, whatever your Shabbos table, when it comes to the holy objects of our life, don't be satisfied with mediocre, don't underachieve, under display, you should do even more. So you'll say, well, if you come, I live in a simple home, my clothing are simple, my car is simple, but then my kiddush cup is over the top. My challah knife is over the top. Shabbos table is over the top. My menorah is over the top. My svarim shrank is over the top. So isn't that yura, gaiva? Isn't it arrogant? So the Gemara Yuma Dafayin says, Rashi says, Laharos chazusa l'rabim. Rashi says, Laharos chazusa l'rabim. Laharos noyav shal sefer Torah, v'tiferaz ba'ala shatarach l'sanos b'mitzvah. Zekeli va'anveyu. So he brings down here, this brings down many Makoras, but I don't want to spend the time. Quotes from the Darche, the Darche Tshuva of Munkach, Tiferes, all these, you, you dedicate a Sefer Torah. Should the handles be a simple, plain, worn out wood or the silver? The cover for the Sefer Torah, today leather with fur, with, should it be simple? It's a Sefer Torah. It's the holiest object we have. Maybe it should be simple. No. You tell us in Tfilinbeg. Your leichter, your Sefer Torah cover. That's where you put the money. Not the decor in the car, not your Ferragama shoes, not your fancy watch. That's not really for you. You're just holding it for the next generation. That's what makes you feel better about using up the next generation's money to buy yourself that fancy watch. Those are not where you put your money. That's not the decor and the fashion. Those things be satisfied with simple. It's the Chefze Shemayim. Where do you see this from? Because Vitsipiso Sam Zahav. Because Baruch tells us, my luchos, my original Sefer Torah, how do you put it and display it? It's not even on display. Nobody sees it. It's behind the parochas. Davka in a golden box. Why? Because the Baruch says, Kosh Baruch says, I want you to, people to see. If they come into your home and you live simply, except for the religious items, the religious objects, they'll see where your priorities are. But if when it comes to your personal objects, you go over the top, designer, exclusive, incredibly expensive, and it comes to your religious objects. I get asked all the time. Somebody needs to buy mezuzahs. So I used to give the example, mezuzahs come $20, $40, or $60. Today mezuzahs come $60, $120, $250. Inflation. I don't know, the eggs and mezuzahs, mayonnaise, I don't know why they're so expensive. But mezuzahs have gone up incredibly. So they come to me and they say, Rabbi, how, is it really that important? Is there really that much of a difference? Which mezuzahs should I buy? So you know what I always answer? Come, let's go to the parking lot. Parking lot? You can't answer in your office? After Minion, why do I have to go to the parking lot? So I want to see what kind of car you drive. What kind of car do you drive? 
I don't want to insult anybody. I drive a Honda Accord. I've had five Honda Accords in a row. I love it. It's amazing. For some, it's a luxury car. I don't take it for granted. I love my Honda Accord. Okay, if you, buy a, if you drive a Honda Accord, you can have a Honda Accord mezuzah. You got your Beamer, your shiny Mercedes. You got your souped up, fully loaded Tesla. You can't buy the cheapest mezuzah. You can't. I'm the first one who often gets a tour when the person puts up a new house. Why? Not the showing off. The mezuzahs. And they didn't budget for the mezuzahs. You go, you take a tour. This doorway, this doorway, this doorway. The, design, the architect, 400 archways around. And in the planning process, nobody said, all these archways are going to need a mezuzah. So by the time you're done, you finish the count, 87 mezuzahs. 87 mezuzahs for your house. Your 19-car garage, each garage or mezuzah, on the inside door, the door into the house. 87 mezuzahs. Rabbi, which mezuzah? I called the sofa. Can I, can I just get the $40 mezuzah? I said, I saw your house. You didn't have the lowest level. The shades cost more than my house. You think you could get the $40 mezuzah? So that's what the Torah is telling us. If a person sees your life and your lifestyle, where do you put your money? Your shoes, your belt? Your belt? Designer belt? That, the belt's to keep your pants up. Not to tell the world how much money you have. It's the purpose of a belt. Where do you put your money? So there's a hav. Pasuk says, And all this Sefer Chassidim, the Munkacher, they're all bringing down. Don't put on display your personal goods. That's not where you put your money. It's in our religious items. Many of these objects, the Mishkan, were made out of Tolaim. So the, uh, he quotes here, the Balei HaTosos and the Sefer Tosos HaSholim. Say, you know why tolas? You know why we use a worm? One of the ingredients, one of the materials for the Mishkan and for the big day, Kuhuna, were tolaim, meshi, the meshi that comes from, it's woven from tolaim. You know why? Don't get arrogant. From all this beautiful gold and from these materials and from this fine clothing of the big day, Kuhuna, don't ever grow arrogant. Stay humble and remember, stay humble and remember that ultimately we'll all be tolayim, we'll all be worm food. Ultimately we'll all be in the ground and we'll be worm food ourselves. Next page. On top of the Aron, adorning the Aron, are these two childlike angelic figurines, these two cherubs, the Kruvim, that sit on top of the, that sit on top of the Aron. So Rashi famously here says, which way are they facing? Tell me something about these kruvim. Kruvya kinari Yisrael The Balaturim says, what do they look like? What do they look like? They look like nari Yisrael. So the author of Kelm says, the Balaturim. Why is it the kruvim look like, look like the place of Asher HaSashchina? I'll tell you what I would have put. Shlomo Zalman and Rav Yashiv. Rav Moshe and the Rav. Labavit Shereba and Rav Hutner. I would have put... Make everyone happy now. Rav Chaim Kenievsky and Rebbe Tzimbacheva Kenievsky. I would have put Rebbe Tzimachlis and Rebbe Yibod L'Chaim Tov and Rebbe Machlis. I would have put these mature, seasoned, accomplished, righteous, what do we put? A little Pitzkala kid and a little, little girl with her ponytails and her braids and her, and her, that's the image on the, on the Aron. This is the holiest object that's in the holiest part of the holiest place. And what's on top of it? The image of a nar, of a kid, of a kinder. Why? So the author of Kelm says, When Rav Ben-Sion Tversky was here several weeks ago, he gave a beautiful Shabbos afternoon class. I don't remember all the psukim he invoked, but, anytime you see the word nar in the Torah, Kodesh Baruch wants us to preserve the sense of na'aras in us. Often, the image of an older person, someone who's tired, someone who's stuck, someone who's fixed, someone who's done. It's over. And the image of a child is somebody who's hungry, somebody who's driven, is someone who has an appetite, someone who's just beginning, someone who has rigor and vigor and dynamism. The Torah says, no matter what age, no matter what stage of life, you're never done. Be a na'ar. Be hungry, be curious. 
the world is backwards today, thanks to the internet and the information age. Now children who know internet better think that they're, it's not, they think they're smarter, they know more. They have less respect for authority. But until recently, children understood and they saw in authority, you live longer, you know more. So children were curious. They were hungry. Life is an adventure. They were adventurous. And that's what the Torah wants from us. Mishra Salantar explains the Pasuk. Kinar Yisrael v'o'evo. Pasuk in Oshea. Hashem loves us when we're young and hungry and driven and curious and innocent and pure. All those character traits and components, all those aspects of being a nar is how Hashem wants us to feel. That's why we say in our davening. The altar doesn't say this. What do we say in our davening? Yom Naraim. Atashlicheni leizikna. We don't say, don't throw me away in my ziknus. I'm an old person, Hashem. Don't limit me. Don't compromise me. Don't give up on me. Don't dismiss me. What do we say? Don't cast me away as if I've reached the time of like I'm an old person. I'm done. Carol Dweck, worth reading her book, Growth Mindset. She talks about a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So we associate the older people as having a fixed mindset. They're fixed, they're done, you're not going to change them, it is the way it is. Young people, growth mindset. Growth and open and curious and hungry. And that's what a Baruch wants from us. And that's why the Aron houses what? The Torah. The Aron is the place from which the Torah shines forth. So what's the image of the Torah? Young, hungry, dynamic, curious, youthfulness. There are youthful hundred-year-olds. There are people in our community, in our shul, who are in their 90s. So sein gesund und stark. People in this room in their 90s. Beli Ayanhara. There are people a hundred and over in our community. And they're youthful. Sol Khan, Oliva Shalom, who just passed away this year. Sol Khan was in his 90s. He interacted with Sol Khan. He was a kid. He was a little kid. He would dance and he would joke and he would smile and he was a kid. And I know people in their 20s who are old men and women. Old, depleted of energy and joy and happiness and curiosity and love and adventure. They're just done and they're finished and they're fixed and they're fabisana and they're, they're done. So it's not an age. It's an attitude. And the attitude associated with the Aron is nar. Be young, be hungry, be curious, be dynamic. You all are, that's why you're here. Parshashir. Yecheska Levinstein says in the name of the author of Kelm as well, that's why I call the Talmud Chacham. A Chacham Amiti, a true Talmud, a true, a true Chacham is someone who's always in the stage of being a Talmud. You're never arrived, you're never done. Right? You think Carol Dweck invented fixed mindset and growth mindset? She got it from us. We don't call it Chacham. Who do we admire? Whom do we revere? Someone who's a Talmud Chacham. You're only a Chacham as long as you remain a Talmud. The day you're done being a Talmud and you think you're now an accomplished Chacham is the day you're a Gornisht. The day you're a Gornisht. You have to remain a, a Talmud in order to ever be a Chacham. A Talmud, Chacham. And that's the Na'ar imagery on top of the Aram. Otoplas Atoro also has something to say about this and everything else. We know Shnaim Kruvim. The Gemara Menachos tells us, There were three of these objects, utensils, the Mishkan, that were difficult for Moshe to imagine, to picture, until HaKadosh Baruch Hu pointed with his finger and showed him, here's the design, here's what it looks like. Menorah, Rosh Chodesh, and Shratzim. Interesting. The Menorah, you can picture it. Rosh Chodesh and Shratzim. And in the end, Hishlech Moshe is Kikar Shazav Laor, he threw it into the fire and the menorah was fashioned on its own. Kleokar talks about this. Why was it so hard for Moshe to dream, to picture how to get the block of gold into the menorah? And the answer is, because what was the menorah? How many parts were the menorah made of? One. So to make it from one part, that's a kunz. To melt down gold, 
break it into parts, screw them together. I'm going to make it sound like it's easy. I don't begin to know how to do it. But apparently it's easier. But to arrive at the result of the menorah from one block, psh, that's difficult. So Hashem need, uh, Moshe needed an assist from the Ribbon Shalom himself. You know what else was made from one solid gold block, not assembled from separate parts? The kruvim on top of the aron. So how come Moshe didn't need an assist? Why didn't he need help? Why didn't he have to throw the block into the fire and it would come out the kruvim? Why was he able to imagine how to do it on his own? We don't find it was done derech nes. We don't find he needed help. So listen to the Torah. This is his original thought. We saw from Rashi, Naar, the Kruvim are the image of children. The menorah, Moshe took one block of gold, threw it in the fire, punk, psh, beautiful, menorah. The kruvim, they also had to be made from one solid block. But Hashem didn't assist, Moshe had to do it on his own. It wasn't as simple as throwing it in the fire and having a result. Why? Because the kruvim are children. When it comes to our children, we don't enlist them in yeshiva, fast forward 12 years, punct, we're done. We don't throw them into the fire of life, and now we're done. There is no handing it off to Hashem and asking Him to be in charge and in control and hand us back beautiful kruvim. We have to work on it. We have to toil in it. Amalenu, in the Haggadah, when we darshan the psukim, we say, Amalenu, our toil, our effort, Elu, habanim. Children, they take effort, toil. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky once saw a Talmud. He said, tell me, how are you? How's your family? What's happening? So the Talmud said, Rebbe, Baruch Hashem, I'm well. My family's healthy. But I said, Tsar Gidol Bonim. He said, what's the matter, Tsar Gidol Bonim? My children, it's hard to get them to come to Minyan to remember to say brachos. Sometimes they have chutzpah. They won't go to sleep. They don't want to brush their teeth. So Rav Yaakov looked at him and he said, that's not Tsar Gidol Bonim. That's Gidol Banim. That's Gidol Banim. That's not the pain of raising children. That's called raising children. Tsar Gidol Banim, Rachman is when a child, Khalila, there's a challenge which is out of the ordinary, which is not part of just being a child. All children need raising. Amalenu, Zuabanim. That's why at the Haggadah, look around. Mitzvah Shem, you should be Zoha, sit at the Seder. It's hard to believe 2020. Still that image of people sitting all alone for the Pesach Seder. This year, for the rest of our lives, look around at a Seder. If one has this chus to sit with children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great, whoever thought you'd use those words. There are people, maybe in this room, who will spend the Seder with their great-great-grandchildren. Whoever heard of in history, people who could sit at a Seder and learn with their great-great-grandchildren. A few weeks ago, of Zubanim, my father, he's so kind, comes to Avazibanam, was there with me, my son, and my grandson. So four generations we were learning Avazibanam together. Whoever, when we were walking out and walking home, I said to my father, how many times in all the Jewish history did anyone say, what a great Chavrusa, four generations together. In all of Jewish history, how many had Bali Ayanhara, Bali Ayanhara, Bali Ayanhara? How many times? So when we look around the Seder table, say, Habanim, Baruch Hashem, we have children, grant took a lot of work. Amalenu zuabanim. It's an amelis. You don't just throw it in the fire and then you get to have the pictures and the singers and the food and the chuppah. You walk onto that chuppah, amalenu zuabanim. Amelis. Whether it's gidol banim or tsar gidol banim, a lot goes into it. Such a beautiful insight of the Otsu Torah. So when it came to the menorah, Moshe was confounded, confused. He didn't know how to make it happen. Throw the one block in, Hashem will make it come out on its own. The kruvim, difficult to picture exactly how, has to be one block of wood, not sure how to do it. Hashem says, figure it out. Because when it comes to your children, you can't hand it off. You can't outsource. You can't outsource to a third party. Hashem's not going to come in and bail you out. 
Amaleinu Zuabonim takes work, takes effort, it's not easy. Perachafei Pasachaf, move right along. Vayakruvim Parsik Nafayim Lamala, Sochem Chanfayim, Akaporis Benem Ishalachiv, Ela Kaporis Yipne Akruvim, the Pasik tells us what they look like. Place the cover on the ark above. Uh, where's the Pasik? The Kruvim have wings spread upward, sheltering the cover with their wings, facing towards one another, towards the cover, the Kruvim face. So what direction are the Kruvim in? What direction are they in? They're facing one another. They're facing one another. The Gemara in Yuma tells us, When the Jewish people would go to Yerushalayim for the three festive holidays, they would pull back the curtain. And they would reveal the Aron with the Kruvim on top. And what would they see? The Kruvim are... They are hugging one another. They used to have the image, the Kruvim, one was a male, one was a female. Equity in the Mishkan. Equality in the Mishkan. One was male, one was female. They knew their gender. They were on top of the Aaron. And they were in an embrace. When were they in an embrace? When Yisrael were also in When the Jewish people were fulfilling the will of Hashem, the image of the Kruvim on top of the Aaron like a man and a woman, like a husband and a wife. I don't know why it was allowed. It was chiba in public. Okay, it's a problem. I think it's healthy sometimes to see what love looks like appropriately and modestly. Children should grow up and know that parents don't have the chiv of shmiris nagiya with one another. Okay, whatever, a separate subject. But this was the image. Everyone came from all over the world. They came to Yerushalayim. They were in the base of Mikdash. We pulled back the paroches. We revealed the holiest place in the world, the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And what did everyone see? A man and a woman hugging. The Kruvim. We're in a loving embrace. Love, love. When our enemies came into the base of Mikdash to destroy it, and so it says, one Pasuk says, Pnei Mishal Achiv. The Pasuk in Divrei Ayyamim says, They're not facing each other, they're facing away. Which is it? That's what the Gemara concludes in Baba Basra and in Yuma, that one was doing over Tzonoshemakom, facing each other. Not doing over Tzonoshemakom, facing away. When they came in to destroy the Beis Amintash, which way were we facing? Each other. How could it be? How could it be? If it was meant to... How could it be? So the Beis Yisrael, the fifth Gary Rebbe, his Yurtzeit is now, around now, he says, not doing Hashem's will is when people only care about themselves. No midos, no derecheretz, no sympathy, no empathy. The kruvim mari- mirrored the people. When we're ish el achiv, when we turn towards one another, the kruvim turns towards one another. So the Beis Yisrael says, even when they face away, they're still spreading their wings upward. You could have very religious people, they look very religious, very righteous, very virtuous. They're spreading their wings upward, but they're facing away from the other people. There's no empathy, there's no love, there's no kindness. And those people are called Eina Osim Ratzono Shamakom. The starkest Hachshirim, the longest Shmona Esrei, the frumest everything. Your wings could be upward. In every religious measure, you're the starkest and the frumest. But you're not Ish El You make people feel invisible. You don't acknowledge, you don't welcome, you don't shower love, you're not connecting, there's no empathy. Such a person whose wings are up, but who's not Ish El is called... Such a person is called. So you see the measure of who we are and how we're behaving. The Kishbarach who cares is not only are our wings up, but are we facing, are we directed one towards another. Skip. No, I didn't skip. Vino'adati vidibarti. Rabbi Salavechik on that word vino'adati. What does that mean? I will arrange my meetings with you and I will speak to you from atop the Arum. Right, Rabbi Salavechik. The command to build the sanctuary is very difficult to understand. It's linked to a great and sublime secret. Ashlamo expressed in his tefillah after he completed building the first base of Mikdash. If the entire universe isn't sufficient to contain him, how could he dwell in such a small and limited space? When Shlomo posed the question, Hashem apparently provided no response at all. Instead, he continued with a request. Instead of searching for an answer to how infinity can dwell in a place of finitude, 
Shlomo requests that Hashem accept our prayers. Why does Hashem want a house? The answer is, so He can dwell among us. This is the true intent of the mitzvah. Where they live is where I want to live, in a home next to them. At any time you may knock on my door and talk with me. Tell me your worries, your dreams, your desires without hesitation and without shame. Because that is the very reason that I contracted my glory. And it is appropriate for me to dwell between the Kruvim and the Arum, covering one square Amma, the infinite being limited to the finite Aron Habris. For it is my will that my house should be called a house of prayer. What's it called? al Throughout their exile, they should direct their hearts at times of prayer to this house, as if we're there and Hashem is right next to us. There are mitzvahs that obligate us to bring various sacrifices various times of the year, writes the Rav. There are also mitzvahs that require us to offer tefillos. There is, however, a great difference between these obligations. A, a korban is accepted even if there's a great distance between Hashem and the owner, even if it's offered by a shliach, by an agent. Not the case with prayer. If there is no closeness, there is no prayer. Even though prayer was established in place of sacrifices, it's impossible for an agent to act on behalf of the sender. Tefillah requires a feeling of closeness, as if one is standing opposite him, in his embrace. Such intent is a central idea and a fundamental principle of prayer. Vinoadity, it's a meeting place, a place of intimacy, a place of connection. Can you imagine? You send somebody to your wife, you send someone to your husband, I have a message. What's the message? Your wife wanted me to tell you she loves you. Loves you. You can't tell me you love you through someone else. Vinoadity, intimacy, connection, vulnerability, that's what the purpose of the Mishkan, the Beis Mikdash, and even when we don't have it, wherever we are in the world, we face it because we're facing that invitation to knock on his door and talk to him, confide in him, unburden ourselves in him, make ourselves vulnerable to him with no shame and without judgment. Vinoadity lecha, sham, vidibarti itcha, mi'ala kaporis. That's the purpose, that's the goal, that's the reason that we have it. That's the reason, that's what it's all, that's what it's all about. It's a beautiful Megid Yosef, but I want to get to, we only have one or two moments left. Tabaza, perchafei pasuchavav. On the Shulchan, there are, v'yasisu la'arba tabazav, v'nasatas tabazav, arba peos, asher la'arba raglav. Make for it four rings of gold, place the rings on the four corners of the four legs. There were four rings at the sides of the shulchan. They are on two. Poles went through those rings and they were used to transport them to the next location. The Kliyaka writes, make four rings. The table had four rings on the side. Why did it have four rings on the side? The Kliyaka says, what shape is a ring? It's a round circle. Why? Because the circle is a ring. The economy, the financial system, life revolves like a ring. And only when we remember that. You could be on top today, be on the bottom tomorrow. Be on the bottom today, you could be on top tomorrow. And we could share endless stories of people who broke through with great wealth and ended up on Tom Cheshabbos. And people who are on Tob Cheshabbos who suddenly break through, broke through with tremendous wealth. So the Shulchan, which is a remnant for the Shulchan, the table of our home, had these round rings. Because when we have Parnassah, when we eat our meal, when we indulge in our delicacies, we should remember never to give up and be hopeless because we have too little and never to be too proud or arrogant because we have so much because life works like a circle and it revolves. I know the Behuda Besifra Avatir and Kasav Taim Niflu Lamatsur Matbea Agula. Why? And the know the Behuda says, this is why, almost universally, what shape are bills? Rectangles. What shape are coins? They're round. Why are coins round? It could be a pentagon, an octagon, a square, a rectangle, triangle. Why are coins round? Listen to what the know the Behuda writes that the Utsar Plosa Torah dug up in his Avatir. Because that which is round, a wheel, 
it rolls. A circle rolls. The coin is going to roll and roll and roll. It doesn't sit in one place. Money moves. It's fungible. It migrates. It doesn't sit. One person, one institution, one country doesn't sit on top of it. The economy has cycles to it. Right? Talk about is it going to be a recession, no recession? They're going to raise rates, lower rates. What cycle? What cycle are we in? Where are we in the cycle? So the Nodabihuda, with tremendous insight, says that's why coins are round, because they're going to roll. You have them today, they're going to roll to the next person. You don't have them today, they're going to roll to you. So he says that's why coins are round. So as we transact, as we transfer, as we do business, no one has coins or change anymore, but the image still is powerful. As we transact, as we do business, as we acquire, as we sell, we should remember these coins are not permanent. They're not with us permanently, and we will never permanently be without them, but they move and they migrate and they change locations over and over again. As always, a lot we left off, but we will continue. Amir Tzashem. Next time, tonight we go behind the bima with Bernie Marcus, the founder of Home Depot, a great Jewish philanthropist. Fascinating story how he founded Home Depot and what Jews do for sukkahs every year in Home Depot. It's tonight at 9 o'clock. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay... Holy.